currently you would see many of us trying to understand a deeper meaning of life and there's a kind of spiritual uprising when we are forced to look at beyond materialistic things covid i'm sure is one of the thing that help us look beyond or many of us look beyond then materialistic nature that we look at and in order to gain spiritual experiences some of us try meditation some of us try different theories or philosophy or guidance but some of us are more intrigued by the idea of psychedelics so i understand that you have been in the field of psychedelics from quite long time your journey of spiritual awakening or helping out people has helped you gain quite a lot of experience with psychedelics so would you help us explain what psychedelics are and how they are typically used in order to be more spiritual sure i'd i'd love to do that uh for the sake of a, a bit of a of clarity i i, I do want to let your listeners know that for me personally um the way that i was trained uh in shamanism uh was not to use psychedelics so i personally haven't used them uh in my version of shamanism the reason is that because of the the effects that are produced which i've seen firsthand um i can achieve the same thing without them <clears throat> so uh, when psychedelics were brought up like especially with clients and whatnot um uh, it was an interesting thing to me because once things once they began to explain what their experiences were i found pretty much verbatim that i was able to produce the exact same experience minus the psychedelic so i started to explore what was this sort of um urgency to involve psychedelics in order to attain spiritual experience and then my research led me to understand more about the people who really went deep with this so um i i have a little bit of trouble pronouncing this word but uh, uh psychosyllabics I, i believe would be the correct the correct way to pronounce it um there are some benefits that i have seen uh one of the benefits that i could say for sure is that it is a faster route to the effect of being inside of the spiritual field of energy that is non-physical and and I'm describing it that way so that people can really get a better sense of it it's a non-physical as in we can't touch it with our physical body it's physical in that we can experience it with our uh sensory system so not to the sensory receptors which would be skin nose ears eyes etc but with our sensory system which would be speech smell sight sound 
touch. And that's important because from all of the accounts that I've experienced firsthand with my clients, um, their sensory systems were heightened to a significant degree where their physical receptors experienced an overwhelm. So most, that most of the people that I've had the external experience with um, can't be touched during that experience. It, it totally overwhelms them. And I know that there are a lot of people who uh, have seen and experienced that, and this is the reason why. There's a, I wouldn't say it's a stronger connection per se, but it is a more direct connection and almost running in an opposing polarity. See, under normal circumstances, we use our physical receptors to internalize, and then our brains compute that experience. What the, what the psychedelics do is reverse that. From all intents and purposes that I've seen, it basically reverses the polarity of that so that the only thing you're experiencing comes from inside the, the field, that energetic field, to your mind. So nothing is going from the physical to you, but coming from outside in that, in that uh, energetic, non, non-localized field into your mind. So if someone touches you, it's sort of a almost like a short-circuit interruption that tends to try to connect with the same sensory system. So it leads me to believe that there is no control. And that's, that's been the opinion that I've formed about it from having seen these experiences firsthand. There is no physical control under the use of a psychedelic. And from all of the research reports that I've read and gone through from people who are professionals and whatnot, they'll never ever say it outright, <laughs> but um, the, uh, their description of their account of their experience is that they are experiencing the events that are happening. And for the most part, they're not participating. Participation usually requires a conscious effort uh, and a sense of awareness, you know, sense of self, you know, or, or what we call self-aware. Uh, the psychedelics force you to be self-aware minus the aspect of conscious control. And that's how it was explained to me when I first started understanding it from my spirit mentors. They particularly did not want me to experience it. The only thing I've experienced that would even be closely related would be uh, marijuana. Now, marijuana is a little bit different. It hits differently, um, especially with the different strains. It, it, there's a very clear-cut difference. Uh, 
um, the spiritual experiences that I've had with marijuana still allow me to be consciously in control of the experience while creating the sensory experience of numbing in the body so that uh, any external input would not interrupt the internal uh, experience that was happening. So I found that that's, that's the, if I needed to do something, that would be the route that I would take. I found also that my breathing was still being interrupted. So it took me a while, but then I found a solution for that. So as a matter of uh, just interest in this topic, uh, what I started doing was mixing uh, powdered licorice root in with whatever marijuana that I was smoking. Uh, licorice root, by nature, is a lung expander. So it actually allows you to breathe better. Most people just use it as a tea, you know, like for things like asthma and, and whatnot, shortness of breath, etc. And the first time that I used it was with an ex-buddy of mine now. Um, he would smoke anything. And we both at the same trade show, and we found this person that was selling this. And his first question was, can I smoke it? And the lady said, uh, I have no idea. So then we went, we took it home. And the first thing that we tried it with was in a regular cigarette. And to my greatest surprise, it nullified the cigarette. Normally, if you don't, like, if you don't smoke cigarettes, um, we packed it in at the front. Like, we emptied out a bit of the cigarette and packed it in at the front. And both of us smoked the same cigarette with zero after effects. It actually killed every single after effect that that cigarette had. So then we tried it with marijuana, and same thing. Dry, no cough, nothing. So in, in terms in terms of the, the the use of the psychedelics, I understand the, the reason why people use it. So you know things like uh, like ayahuasca, or there's another one that comes from from the Andes, uh, I believe, um, uh, this uh, frog medicine type. Um, I guess my I don't want to say problem with it, but I guess for me, I think it's. The, yeah, the problem that I've seen so far with the use of psychedelics for spiritual uh, for spiritual gain is that there are too many people who claim to be proficient with it. Um, I've had again firsthand experience with. Uh, clients who have done them and have had to come to me to resolve the issues that it created. And I'm talking like near medical crisis issues where even if, even if they did go to the doctor first, um, uh, Noxalone or, or whatever else probably would not have worked because of the nature of what the what these do uh magic mushrooms same thing 
I think the missing point for many who just kind of go out and experiment is the understanding of where the use of psychedelics comes from. So, for example, with ayahuasca, um, just like with the with the Buddhist monks, um, kids go to the temple, and then they live their life as a monk, right? And it's the same thing with the tribes that have used ayahuasca. There are so many different ayahuasca formulas because of the difference in the cultures along the ayahuasca vine. It's the same ayahuasca, but the the properties that that particular village will use gives them a very specific spiritual connection through the use of the ayahuasca. And they don't just go drink it like that, right? They microdose, you know, the, the shaman of the village would see who the potentials are. And then they start their training from a kid, you know? And then they microdose so that by the time they get older, a full dosage is not going to affect them negatively. And I think this is one of the hugest missing problems with, um, with how people treat the use of psychedelics today, whether it's magic mushroom or frog medicine or, you know, the frog poison medicine, same thing. Even if you're microdosing it, like for the very first time, you have to remember culturally your body is different from the region where this came from. And you don't have the cultural reference for it either. You have to have at least one of the two in order to properly benefit from the use of the psychedelic. And, and, and I, I maintain that with, with all psychedelics across the board. If, if you don't have a clear understanding of where it came from, especially if it's a natural one, let's say like the mushrooms, uh, mushrooms in and of themselves, there was a, oh man, I think it was a few months ago, I was uh, doing some other research, which led me to uh, this guy who actually produces a little sound box where you can uh, clip these alligator clips onto mushrooms to actually hear the sound that they make uh, through this little meaty box that he, he developed. And it's amazing. It's an amazing. I can't remember the name of the, of the, of the tech right now. Um, but it's an amazing little piece of equipment. And, you know, he showed how it works with plants. He showed how it works with trees. Um, but it originally started with the mushrooms. And it's some of the most ethereal sounds you've ever heard in your life coming directly um, from the mushrooms themselves. Uh, everyone who has done any kind of horticulture knows that plants are very responsive to the person who's curating them. This is no different even when they're disconnected. And I've been able to actually prove that with when I do uh, tuning fork sessions. Uh, I've, I've had a couple of clients, you know, bring me different strains of marijuana. Hey, you got to check this out. <laughs> and I'll take one, sweat, one smell of it and I'm like, oh my God, no, wait, hang on. We got to tune this. And I will run it through one of my tuning forks, and the drastic 
change in just the smell alone was cause enough for my clients to be a little bit shocked. <laughs> and like for me, like I, I mean, you see right behind me here, that's, that's, that's my altar right behind it. And I always keep a stash up there, <laughs> right? For that exact reason. Um, the understanding of why it's used. Uh, another good example is like peyote. Right? I've known people to just go find peyote and just go smoke it. Like, um, you, you really do have to understand the nature of the thing. You know, do your own research to understand where it came from, understand why it's used. Um, like, for example, with peyote, I know that it's it's kind of a rite of passage thing, you know. Uh, by showing that respect of, of the psychedelic itself and its use, it will deepen the experience if you are truly going to use it. And you, you have to have that state of openness um, to be prepared for what the psychedelic will show you because you're not going to be a participant. And that's a huge point of it. You have to know that if you are taking the psychedelic, you are not a participant. You're simply a receiver. The experience is what you receive. And for me, that's a huge difference because... Um, for what we do here in, in my company, uh, our, our angle is, is personal freedom, which is the other reason why we don't use psychedelics. I, I give you mental tools to produce the same result, but you'll be able to actually participate. That's pretty interesting. So I just want to reiterate some of what you said. Sure. Psychedelics help us be in an altered state of mind. Yes. or alter state of consciousness, which is what can be also achieved by some of the spiritual practices without Absolutely. taking psychedelics. Absolutely. And one of the ways, I guess, in the society we describe is that when we do some spiritual practices, specific spiritual practices, including meditation, it releases a chemical called DMT, which mm -hmm. is what is produced by these psychedelics. So it works in the reverse way where you, rather than indulging in practices, releasing that chemical and be in more control of the experience, mm -hmm. if you take the psychedelics, which is an external source, you do not have that control over what experience you get, but then you experience things, and not through physical senses, mostly from your astral senses. Right. Got it. And then you also mentioned that just because there are easy ways to experience <laughs> things does not mean that we don't have to take any cautions because many of these psychedelics are developed, modified in a way that they serve a specific purpose, maybe of a specific tribe, like you mentioned, ayahuasca. Yeah. And I know ayahuasca is really big psychedelic, I think one of the most popular one. Yeah. And then I know based on where you're sourcing it from, uh -huh. the impact <laughs> may be completely different. So exactly. So so what you're saying is we have to be cautious, uh, cautious in terms of what we are sourcing and why we are sourcing. Just don't go after psychedelics because you want to get spiritual gain or you want to experience something. Be a little more responsive, do some research, 
and see if it still makes sense for you to have that experience, which is what you can also get otherwise, which is what you teach in your practice. Yes, I mean, and and you know, just kind of to to add on to that, uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want anyone to think that I'm knocking the psychedelics because some people they've gained a lot from having their mind expanded in that way because you stay in that expanded state, right? So as, as far as benefits are concerned, I mean, sure, if, if, you, if you're just looking for a mind expansion, uh, it will break filters. And that's the part that most are not prepared for and that some people believe to be the dangerous part. Honestly, I don't think that that's a danger. I, I think lack of preparedness for um, all of your filters being broken, that's the danger. Because and there are many shamanic practices uh, where the mind tools that you use will do the same thing. and it, But it will do it more succinctly as far as I'm concerned. And you will actually have control over the process. So, And, and to me, that's... That's a much uh, a much deeper issue as the the aspect of control. Many people don't, especially in our society today. A lot of people don't like to have control when they're very willing to give up that control. Uh, psychedelics presents a very strong and clear opportunity to give up that control. Right, and 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 I I, I don't think anybody who's actually taken the psychedelics will tell you any different. You are not in control in any way, shape, or form. And what experience you have, it's subjective to you. Because you can have 10 people in the same room and they'll all have 10 different things uh, happen. However, if you prepare uh, for that experience, there is a small likelihood to have um, the psychology calls it shared psychosis. <laughs> it's not psychosis, <laughs> but, but you know, uh, having a shared experience. And again, um, this is a practice that can be done without the use of psychedelics. Where, uh, and I've I've done this in particular before, having you know five five people uh, together. And all of us focusing and concentrating on the same outcome and having the same astral experience, where we're all there, right? And I'm, not, I'm definitely not the first to do it. This, this is something that has been done in several different um, uh, paranormal studies by some pretty top-notch universities, right? I know Harvard has done it for sure. Um, uh, I know Yale has done it for sure. And there are a couple uh, major universities in in Britain that has done the same thing. So, you know, it, it's it's all about getting the right kind of research. If you it, like, my point is don't don't just rush into something like this. Um, take your time because it is an experience that this is one of those things you, you know, like I said in my last, <laughs> you can't unsee the stuff. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so you have to be prepared for those filters being broken. You know? So that that would be that would be the thing that I would caution the most. 
So what you're saying is your word of caution comes from the expectation people may have or incorrect expectation people may have. Yes. And when they have experience, by all means, they can use psychedelics to have ritual gains, which will expand their mind. But then they need to be prepared for the outcomes as well. Uh Some of the experiences may take them away from what they currently are and how they currently think or see the world. Uh Like you, in the the previous discussion, when we were talking about shamanic culture, you did Uh talk about that book that you were reading. Yes. That once you read any further, you cannot go back, you cannot undo. So that's exactly the same thing that when you take psychedelics, you may have experiences that you may not able to let go, right? Yeah. Once you are, once you have crossed a certain bridge, you have crossed that bridge, you, you really can't go back. Yeah. The the simpler way of explaining that is when we were kids, we really didn't know about the world outside. Mm-hmm. What we thought <laughs> of everything, a toy to be actual thing, that a toy plane will actually fly. Yeah. My father is all capable Superman. He'll take care of everything. Anyway, <laughs> right. <my> problem. <laughs> but when we grew up, we realized that the world is not what we used to think it was when we were a kid. And we can never go back to being a kid now, even though there could be some tendencies we still show. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Right? But we can can never have the same experience with that toy that we had when we were a kid. So this is the exact thing that you're talking about. Once you cross a bridge, once you cross certain realization, Mm -hmm. awareness, be prepared that you may not be able to be same as you were before that experience. And I mean, it, the, the extreme cases that that I've personally dealt with um, were violent illnesses, uh, not illnesses in like a, a debilitating um, disease of any sort, but the way that, like in particular, the, the one fellow, um, he already didn't have a strong mental constitution and he had asked me about you know should you go take this frog medicine i said mm, probably shouldn't uh, of course he ignored that and it sent him into uh mental degradation for i don't know maybe about six months and even with the skills that i had i couldn't pull him out of it because it had basically detached uh, any kind of idiosyncrasy he could have had. So and all of the all of the sensory system uh, basically refused to adjudicate how he navigated his physical world because it broke down. Um, how he received uh, sensory input. So tactile senses were very, very different. Everything was painful. Um, his his entire uh, spinal uh, system, all the nervous the, the nervous system running through the spine, his back ached to beyond degrees of of, of painfulness. You know where nothing that he took for pain actually worked, you know? And and it, it took a really long time for him to, to get past, uh, to get past all of that. And so, I mean, like his, his physical, 
propensity for accepting the medicine itself was constitutionally weak. And without uh, testing, this is one of those things that is a possibility with the use of psychedelics. I'm not trying to scare anybody by saying that. I'm just saying that you you do have to take these things into consideration. Like I said earlier, um, you have to have one of the two, either very strong, concise, precise knowledge of the psychedelic you are uh, thinking of taking, it, the region it came from, why it's used, um, what was the original purpose of it, that knowledge creates a, a mental and emotional vocabulary that the psychedelic itself will make use of once you've taken it. Otherwise than that, it, having a cultural background for that. You know, so short of, you know, being Samoan, <laughs> you know, or short of, uh, of, of, uh, of, of being Hindu, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you gotta have one of the two, <laughs> you know, in order to, to truly benefit from, uh, from partaking in order to be a receiver. And, and I, I can't stress that enough. You, you have to know that once you take the, um, the psychedelic, you are a receiver, not a participant. So what you're saying is that one has to do due research before they do take any psychedelics about where it comes from, where it originated. Absolutely. And what experience they are trying to get. And I guess another thing they can do is rather than taking a large quantity, they can take a small portion and test it out on their own bodies, right? I mean, if yeah. their body is able to accept that or they are able to tolerate the kind of impact it has on them. Yeah, my microdosing is is more of the preferred method now. It wasn't like that even 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, most people just went just, you know... Let's, let's chug <laughs> or, you know, right. I, I can smoke a bowl, man. It's fine. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I think enough people have, have, uh, had really horrible experiences so that this is the trend that I see now, um, especially out here in, in North American regions, most of the people, people who administer, um, they are administering micro dosages. And some even go further as to have um, some form of medical staff on the premise, even though they're microdosing. So, I mean, the industry itself, for all intents and purposes, is getting better. Um, I still, I still would always say that you you can have mental tools that produce the exact same thing uh, without the risk. <laughs> Sure. So just let me uh, wrap up the caution aspect of psychedelics. So what we are saying is have clear understanding about the psychedelics you're about to take. Have clear understanding or expectation about what experiences you may have and what may be the outcome. Then start with micro dosages because you really need to understand whether it works for you or what impact it has on your body. And I think the fourth thing they can do is Try it out in a company of an experienced person, a mentor, Absolutely. coach, or someone who has 
understanding and experience of what impact psychedelics have so that you are in a controlled environment as opposed to you know being completely open open in the wild and be Alice in the wonderland oh no doubt no doubt <laughs> like I, I know I know friends who have done LSD and that's the only way they'll do it they'll they always make sure that someone is there to at least check on them when they're going to go on their trips you know they're fully aware of what the trip is which is a huge difference um and that's how they do it. So I don't see why there should be a difference, even if you're trying to have spiritual attainment. <laughs> Very good. So that actually gets into the other side of things, mm-hmm. which is what are some of the benefits people see or what you have experienced people seeing? You have worked with many people in your practice. Yeah. So what are um, some of the things that people experience when they they use psychedelics? Um, the most common experience i think the consensus is now that they are a a sort of dark elf and and that's a very very loose translation of an experience um taking into consideration the nature of dmt our bodies are a walking chemistry lab and DMT is pieced together at the point of death. That's it, that's why it's it's called the you know the death chemical. Um, it's usually only when there is a serious uh, or critical damage to the physical body um, that DMT is produced to instruct your your physical body to disconnect from the conscious mind, which we we call death. Um, the DMT version that's ingested as the psychedelic produces the same result minus the conscious disconnect. So what happens is that it will shift the consciousness to not just a different state of being, but it would shift the consciousness into, let's use the word dimension for now. It's probably the closest to it. But you, you kind of have to think of this as if you were looking at, let's say, an onion through a microscope. There are layers and layers and layers, and each layer is individually filtered or, or sort of covered by a thin by a thin veil from the next layer so you can't really see it if you don't have that sort of sensory experience to see it so what i have been told from those who describe the experience is that they shift into that world and it's an entire construct of its own accord some people end up shifting to the light side some people end up shifting to the dark side and dark meaning that the environment of that world is uh, a darker hue and in most cases when they describe it there's color but there isn't color everything looks sort of muted but your senses tell you 
that's blue or your senses will tell you that's red but it's a very muted version of of the color on the light side everything is overwhelmingly bright so reds are at a level that you've never seen before and it actually affects your emotions some people are deeply affected by the depth and the um, mutedness of the hues on the darker side in the same emotional way if you have that sort of propensity for that especially if you're a person who has experienced like a lot of depression or you know stuff like that it, it would affect you a great deal um and that's one of the other things too it really depends on your general disposition and what you what you are prone to be at your core that would determine the kind of experience that you have so most of the people who i've had uh, experiences with um, they're practicing uh, spirituality so they end up meeting uh, beings from those from those sort of dimensions uh, and again they're not participating <laughs> they're just receiving uh, so they would be told uh, very specific information and then they have to come back and choose what they're going to do with it um, there were a few people who experienced a lot more than that where they were shown the true nature of our existence as it actually is. And it could be pretty scary to realize what our, what our world looks like from that side, from that vantage point. It's, it's not always a pretty sight. You know? um, and it, it, it is jarring, because I mean, like I said, I, I have the same experiences outside of the psychedelics. And to see to see the way that our world looks from from that perspective, um, you kind of have to have a strong stomach for it, you know, because it's it's very very different, um, and you're not you don't have any control over that. I, I think that's probably the only thing that I could say is the same. You do not have any control over that perspective when you are looking at our our physical world from that side there's no control over that and it, it does make you i think that's the thing that really jars people into the expansion process that maybe i should be a little bit more consciously in tune with how i live my life because if that's what the world looks like from their vantage point, it kind of makes you feel like, you know, you're not living up to any potential, no matter how successful you are, you know. And I've heard this from, like, really intelligent, qualified people, you know. They take the DMT and they're like, every accomplishment I've made means absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you know um so that's the other thing i mean for for some people it would you come back here and it's depressing to see this would look like the world that's actually muted and you like so that's why you have to be prepared for that 
So those those are just some of the kind of experiences that have been reported back. So, so just to reiterate, some of the benefit that you mentioned is that through this experience of psychedelics, you may be able to get to your core of who you are, maybe having understanding of that. Yes. You also can develop understanding of the true nature of the universe. And third, you also mentioned that you can develop the understanding of what the happiness is, what yes. happiness for you is, yeah. something that you would have thought as happiness or desires and you spent years fulfilling those desires, they may end up meaning nothing. That may be a side effect of that, but then at least you now know what your true happiness is and you can start to pursue that. So yes. with three benefits, though they are these benefits, we still have to be cautious about what we expect from these experiences and be cautious in our approach whenever we take these psychedelics. Is there any other, say, circumstance or any other reason, maybe based on your experience, you would recommend someone to have psychedelics? Um, yeah, there, there, there are, interesting you should ask that question, there are times that I have actually recommended uh, to a couple of people um, that it would be a good option to look into. Um, those would be, in my opinion, sort of existential circumstances. So if it is someone who, say, for example, is as experienced as I am um, with spirituality or... You know, some form of spirituality and its practices and they haven't really experienced uh, what psychedelics can do. Uh, sure, because you're at that mental stage where you'll be able to know how to prepare for that experience. So that's one, one thing I would say. Um, if it's somebody who is brand new, you know, uh, and they're trying to just have an experience for the sake of having an experience. It really depends on your who you are at your core. If you are a thoughtful, mindful, um, compassionate person, you know, and you are, you know, just truly living life consciously, microdosing is probably a good option. You know, and and just be very, be very methodical about your microdosing. You know, if if that's if that's the kind of person that you are, be very methodical about how you microdose, because each experience is going to um, be an aggregate for the next. Um, I guess the third situation where I would recommend that would be if someone is they find themselves kind of off the rails where they have literally tried everything they possibly could and nothing has worked or you know they don't have access to someone like myself you know to be in person and take them through a, a course of of healing then i would say still microdose but take it because it will break it. 
that's one of the most significant aspects of, of most of the psychedelics I, I know about. They will destroy filters. Any preconception you have about your existence and how you see the world is going to be broken, hands down. And, and it happens every single time, even with the, even with the smoothest of the psychedelics, like mushrooms are, it break, it breaks stuff. <laughs> you know, if you have, if you, and this again would be the flip side of it. If you are the person who has always held stuff back or you've always kind of like, you know, you hold on to stuff, do not take the psychedelics get that stuff under control first before you do if, if you're not the person who's who's like, like yeah if, if you hold grudges and all the no psychedelics is not for you <laughs> you have to actually be a person who is open and a person who knows how to let go because that's when the psychedelics become uh, mentally destructive if you're that person just holds on to stuff or you just kind of pad stuff down and you keep holding on to all of these emotions that you never ever let go this is you're not i strongly do not recommend that you because it will break that it, all of those levees and blocks that you've put up to releasing uh, those emotions or dealing with them in a succinct way are going to be broken hands down and floodgates are open this is why a lot of people early on in the in the early stages of uh, hearing about ayahuasca when they went down uh, to these camps to do the ayahuasca this is why a lot of them end up with that sort of a broken mental state it wasn't that they were going crazy it's just that they were not emotionally prepared to release all of that and the way that our minds are set up when you put up a mental block to do that it stays there until you decide to take it down. So, and I like in particular, ayahuasca doesn't really care about that. Any other psychedelic has no care where where that's concerned. Yeah. If you take it, you signed on for this, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so my last question to you is: I heard that, at least in the case of ayahuasca, that in the case of ayahuasca it has a calling for you and then probably it is time for you to experience that. Do you, based on your experience, see that it really is a calling for people when they need the help of psychedelics in their life? I definitely think it is a calling. And the, the reason I can, I can say that affirmatively is because of other shamanic experience that I've had where that's concerned. Um, especially if it's a natural psychedelic like ayahuasca or like mushrooms um, or peyote, plants have that ability to communicate. Um, from the deeper aspects of shamanism that deal with past lives, that's another big reason why someone would also feel the call, because they've done it before. <laughs> and the journey was not complete, or they just need to level up now. So you would find that there are people who have had um, experience with psychedelics, and it has indeed enhanced their lives, simply because they've had that experience before. And in this lifetime, 
that experienced just needs to step up. This was the method that was used. It worked, so let's do it again. Okay? I get the same experiences happening with people who ask me about uh, studying Fudan. Right? And usually they all say the same thing. Uh, and sometimes I bring it up and I tell them and then they, they would admit, yeah. And in Vudon, it's the hearing of drums because of, you know, it being African-based. And almost every person, every student or, or person I've mentored who has asked about mentorship about it, I usually tell them and say, hey, if you hear the call of the drums, you know, you know, it's that's you've been there, <laughs> you know, you you have some experience with this because that's just how the spirits of the Vudan Pantheon are. They'll make you hear drums till you answer. And from all, all of the experiences of the people who've told me that they've had such a strong calling, um, uh, to take a psychedelic, it's the same thing. It's usually a, a very, it's almost like tinnitus. It's a ringing, a constant ringing, and then the thought hits them. Like, you know, I need to, I need to take something, and they can't get it out of their head. So I understand the nature of the nature of that. That's concerned. Pretty good. So just to wrap up our discussion, where can people reach you if they need consultation on psychedelics, whether they need to use that, or maybe you can show them the alternate, alternate methods of without taking psychedelics, having <laughs> the same experiences, or maybe they are struggling with something, they having experienced the earlier psychedelic that you mentioned about, and they want to find out how they can cure themselves. And maybe also to find out how to go about the psychedelic route. Right. Um, so glad you asked about that. So I have a, a, a platform that I use for that. Um, it's probably the most efficient platform I have used to date. Uh, it's called Wizia. And uh, it's wizia.com slash uh, shaman, And it's a paid platform. But what it guarantees you is that you have that one-on-one -on -one answer time. So once you post your question, it comes over to me. I get a simple email that says, hey, look, I have a, a follower that would like to ask a question um, based on whichever service you choose from the list of services there. And then I'd be able to give you up to a 10-minute video um, giving you advice on that. I mean, if, it go, if, if you actually need a bit more than that, then... Um, at that point, I would share direct contact details, and then we can have a, a live consult that would help you to identify what sort of outcome. Because it's not just like taking psychedelics for taking psychedelics is not really the thing. Uh, most people that I've come across with it, they take it for a very specific reason. They're trying to have a certain outcome. Uh, so the, the option is I can show you how to get that outcome without the use of the psychedelic, or I could point you in the right direction as to what psychedelic I think would best serve the outcome that you're trying to achieve. Thank you so much. So would you also be able to help out people when they're trying to find out from where they can source something? And I don't want to people to assume things over here that... <laughs> <laughs> you you are a source of psychedelics. I'm I'm just asking in terms of 
providing them direction so that they are not lost or they are not like Alice in the Wonderland, trying to, you know, buy it from any guy they come right. across. <laughs> um, I, well, just to read it, I'm definitely not a source of psychedelics. <laughs> um, and I know a few, a few places in my, in my locale, um, where it can be, can be sourced from. Uh, so if you happen to be in, in Canada, if you happen to be in British Columbia, you know, I may know a few places that, that can provide that. Of course, if you're from a different country, um, the best way to go about that is first to understand uh, what laws are in place in your country regarding psychedelics, because uh, we want you to still be safe and legal at the same time. Yeah. I don't want you to be getting in trouble <laughs> claiming <laughs> spiritual help. So, <laughs> um, as long as you're you're clear on whatever laws your your country has where that's regarding, then I would suggest to seek out a qualified uh, shaman, you know, in your country. And I know that's kind of a broad statement, but it just means that usually you can you can tell if you are able to trust a person. Over time, we've kind of told ourselves we don't know, but the truth is, we've we always know who to trust. We tend to ignore it from time to time, and this trust is something that we developed as a as a child. Anybody who has a, a little child would know. They either go to a person that's new or not, and if they don't, then they just they stay far away, right? So that's an innate ability that we're born with. We know who to trust. So be very trusting of your gut when you're doing that kind of research to reach out to someone um, that will help you along this path. Uh, it, it's super easy here in, in you know like Canada and the U.S. to kind of source these things. Uh, so I think the same thing applies. Yeah. All right. And uh, just to help out the listeners, I will put some links to your visuals.com site so that they can reach out to you. Absolutely. And they have a way to connect with you. So with that, it was really nice conversation with you, understanding psychedelics, understanding cautions about psychedelics, having the right set of expectations the, at the use of psychedelics. And also why sometimes psychedelics may be the way to go or what benefit they can get. Uh, and more importantly, I guess, if they need someone trustworthy, if they need to find more answers, mm -hmm. they can always come and approach you. So thank Absolutely. you so much, Kyle, for being here, talking to us about your experiences, giving us some guidance on psychedelics. It was really a pleasure talking to you. Oh, same here. I loved it. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> Okay, so with the hope that we may we may be in conversation sometime in future, our paths may cross. I wish you all the best for what you do. I, I definitely am looking forward to that. It's great. Uh, thanks a lot, and it was a pleasure being here.